Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the My Wealth Podcast. And today I have exciting news. I'm being joined by a very good friend and I think one of the very, very, very best we have in the market, and that is Munyumba Mutwale. So he is a business and financial analyst, a financial literacy educator, a licensed financial advisor, and everything beautiful. So today we'll be looking at economic outlook and also he is my new co-host. Hello, Munyumba. Hello, Leavan. <laughs> yes, I am your new co-host. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> we are probably going to be having a lot of fun, numbers and everything economic wise. So take it on. Yes, to everybody, um, take out your calculator because it is time <laughs> to take a journey through the markets. per annum in interest when you invest with Premier Credit. Visit www.premiercredit.co.zm to start investing today. My Wealth Podcast is brought to you by Premier Credit Zambia and is an interactive program where we discuss all things investments, current economic trends, personal and business finances, and to top it all, we host exemplary guests. But today we'll be looking at economic trends and the first thing that we're going to look at Munyumba is the macroeconomic outlook how is it looking out there well the good thing about um about being an investor is that you always have to pick something that works in whatever weather i always tell people investing is a lot like like having clothes in your in your closet you know you, you have summer clothes you have winter clothes you have day clothes you have night clothes you're not just a person who wears shorts and a vest every single day um, because you'll be caught in the cold one day, you'll be caught in the rain another day. So investment is about having a diverse portfolio that can actually address different types of economic weather trends. So that's why we have the economic weather map, which tells us when inflation is up, when inflation is down, when growth is up, when growth is down, what to invest in and what is more likely to that. So I'm going to always, to everybody here, I'm always going to go through that economic weather map. And that's going to be the guide that we're all going to get used to. So the weather outlook is quite simple. Um, we are seeing rising inflationary trends around the world and also in Zambia. Now, even today, we just saw a CPI trend that came out that showed that annual inflation is up a little bit, about 9.9%, up from 9.7%. So we're starting to see that inflation pressure from this year is picking up. Uh, so you've got to look for assets that are driving you towards being inflation-linked. It's the inflation-linked assets that win your two-year, your three-year, your five-year bond. You want to have a two-year bond that earns you a 9% coupon while being able to earn you the 17.5% yield altogether. And it moves with inflation. That yield always moves with inflation. So you want the inflation winners. But at the same time, we're having a situation where growth is starting to slow down. So you're going you're gonna to try and taper off on your risk assets. Your PMIs have been coming in a little bit slow. Uh, they've been struggling to break through that. Uh, they've been struggling to break through that, that 50 point. Um, some of the growth data in quarter one is still coming in slow. Monetary growth data is also still slow. So because of the slowdown uh, of economic activity, coupled with the fact that trade has also been struggling, um, you've seen copper prices coming down and you've seen mines pushing out less copper. And because of the strength of our currency, we've been struggling to export. So growth in our economy is struggling at this point. And it is because it's a global, it's a global issue. So 
when you're trying to balance it out at this point, look for your stocks are not going to be that great. Your stock market has literally flatlined for the last three months uh, because of the lack of growth that's been happening in the, in, the, in the market. At the same time, your risk assets altogether, your job market, your main things that depend on growth are struggling. So at this point, this is the time where your fixed income portfolio of inflation sensitive assets are the winners. Your, as I said, your bonds. Uh, if you are exotic a little bit and you've gotten to wealth sophistication, your gold should have been your friend, but right now it's not even great because of the exchange rate. Uh, and also gold itself globally, it's taken a beating. So literally it's only been the bond market that has performed in the last quarter and it's probably still going to be the main performer going into the next quarter. Okay, let's talk about the IMF deal and the effect it might have on investor sentiments. What's your take on that? So under, under normal circumstances, an IMF deal should help the economy. You should see a rush of capital coming in. You should see investors from all over the world rushing their money into Zambia. But the problem is global risk sentiment is difficult. Um, a lot of the private investors who would buy government bonds and strengthen up our currency, who would do investment deals in Zambia, who would buy up equities in Zambia, are kind of scared of taking risks right now because of that. But it will stabilize the environment. That's what it will do. It will protect us from the 50 billion quarter worth of bond investors leaving Zambia and then having a detrimental effect on our economy. And it will bring in a little bit of support capital and a little bit of better trade. It can. So I do see an IMF deal uh, being very helpful. And what it will do is those of us who are expecting maybe bond interest rates to go flying through the roof, they're not going to do that. They're going to hold still. Your two year will probably stay below 20. The rest of this bond curve will stay steep and, and, and nice and uh, still talking growth ish signals but it's not going to have an effect for now but it will probably in about two to three years ironically this is if you have an imf deal and you have a stock market that doesn't take off then it might be the time to start buying those stocks because once the growth the growth scare washes away then you've got the actual stock takeoff which you would have bought at a nice good price perfect brings us down to my favorite part of today's episode, which is the stock pick for the month. We'll be looking at Zambif as a stock pick for the month on the Luce. And news has come out. We have a new CEO who's an indigenous Zambian and also a woman. And I just want to put it out there that the last time we saw a female CEO on the Luce, she hit 1 billion after profits. And that was Mukwandi Chiwesakunda. So I like to believe this is good news, not only as a Zambian, but also as a woman, because like, clearly there are results in those areas. Well, if there's anyone who should be the CEO of Zambia, it should be Faith Mukut. Yes. If there's anyone who has delivered results, she was given one of the toughest jobs when she walked in at the beginning in September 2019. And her job was to clean up a company that was rising in debt, declining in revenue, struggling in profits. And she did a lot of cost rationalization, management of the books, uh, cutting off things that did not work and things that weren't profitable. And all of a sudden, you started to see a company where the profits started to rise, the growth started to come back in, and a lot of the costs were contained, debt was cut down. So that's the kind of company you want to invest in. So she managed to, she, she guided the company through that rationalization project. And the reason is she's an expert in that area. Go look at her time in Zambia Sugar. Go look at her time in Zambia Breweries and National Breweries. She has that track record uh, already. So this was a talent pick. 
Um, I think that, that that was one of the best moves that Zambief actually did just to bring her in at that time. Now, she's got to usher the company through the $100 million expansion. And to me, that's going to be the tough part. But they've put the right person to handle it. So the faith in the leadership, ironically, is exactly what's going to take us, what's going to take the company there. But remember that she's taken even the stock value of the company from one quarter share to two quarter 30 now. We're, we're now at two quarter 30. We've had 130% growth in the valuation of the company since, since uh, she has come in as FD. Now she has to take it to the next level. My price target on this company, uh, and this is from an advisory perspective, obviously, you go deeper into it, but my price target is somewhere around 592 in the long run. And the reason is Zambief is an underpriced company because the profits now are speaking to a bigger company. The level of debt that they have in comparison to their assets should be is, 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 uh, is much lower and the growth opportunities. Remember, they're trying to trade. They're, they're increasing their, their cropping their cropping department so that they can export wheat and soya, which is going to be short in supply over the next 10 years. So here's how you how you kind of play Zambief. If you are a growth investor who's actually in the aggressive phases of your early, your early part of your portfolio, you're trying to grow your portfolio, you're trying to take aggressive investment opportunities, these are the kind of stocks you want to take. Things that have a strong upside with lots of revenue opportunities. In the short run, there's no, there's no dividends they can pay. That company is hamstrung on cash. They're going to be borrowing $100 million and they've got to start paying interest costs in a time when there's rising interest rates. So that's what they're going to be facing. But in the long run, you're going to see a lot more business activity for them. Now, if you're a short-term investor or you are somebody at the end of your rope and you're trying to only take uh, dividend stocks and you are low risk, this is not your stock. So you got to pick what kind of investor you are. But my stock pick here is for the growth investor, this is the this is the this is kind of the place to be also because there's a lot of political will behind this think about it the government went to kenya struck a trade deal all of a sudden zambief is now investing 100 million dollars to try and prop up the exact thing that kenya needs so that's where the 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 win is coming from for them so that's the reason like i said i've got my 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 yeah, it would have been at, at at above six quarter, which, by the way, now puts Zambief in the mega cap area. So I've already got a valuation in my mind that this company should be above a billion quarter somewhere in the next decade. And this is the time probably that they're, they're probably forming their they are probably forming their, their global strategy and trying to reposition themselves from a local food, uh, food, uh, food company to a global uh, or a regional food company. Just in case you are wondering who Faith Mukutu is and why this appointment is very big for Zambif is the fact that she comes with 17 years of senior management experience in fast-moving consumer goods sector and financial leadership of four listed companies in the same sector. The 41-year-old shattered accountant will call on all her years of experience to lead the company through a 100 million five-year expansion plan as alluded to by Munyumba. So this is something to be excited about, really. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, Very. so other than that, we have heard, uh, we, we did see a, a little bit of controversy uh, going around about banning alcohol in Zambia, but also in the same breath, we have seen that Zam Zambian breweries are looking at an expansion, a financial expansion plan. So they they announced similarly as well, saying good economic environment. They are trying to they are trying to grow uh, by about eighty. They're trying to grow by with an eighty million dollar expansion plan, which they're also going to finance through credit. Um, 
But I look at Zambia breweries a little bit different. This is already an overpriced company. So I, I'm, I'm still on the hold to sell side of it. And the best thing that an expansion could do is maybe get it up to fair value. Now, they're trying to double the capacity of their brewing plant um, because they're mainly constrained by that. But here are, the, here are the risks I've seen on that stock. One, the wheat prices. Remember, Zambia, Zambia Breweries is a buyer of wheat, while Zambief is a seller of wheat. So Zambief will benefit from high wheat prices from the Ukraine-Russia war uh, as a result of the Ukraine-Russia war. But Zambia Breweries will have margin compression. In other words, profitability will be compressed because of that. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned about that too. That stock, that company's also got huge cash problems. They also ca- they also they also deficient on their cash. So any expansion will increase their interest costs. So more margin compression. The only upside with Zambia Breweries is that they have they have pricing power. They can raise their prices and no one will change. Because just think about it this way. Think about it logically. Okay, people pay based on where they are for a for a more. They don't pay exactly for the most. Somebody can go to a place and pay 50 kwacha for a mosi or 35 kwacha for a mosi, while another person pays 9, 10. So you got to understand that that's a very, it's a very price flexible product. Um, so they do have the pricing leeway to move it as much. That's the, that's the beauty with beer itself. But the problem now comes is you also have a lot of um, aggression in the anti-alcohol movement. It's starting to pick up steam because people are concerned with the effect. So there will be social impact that will always curb their ability to grow. But I don't I don't see that as their biggest risk. I see their biggest risk as interest rates are going to go up, uh, wheat prices are going to grow up, and the profitability that they're going to need to be able to repay an $80 million loan over two, three years will be pretty constrained in that period of time. And already, the company's already overpriced. So I don't see any price upside on it. So it's still a sell, it's still a sell to hold company for me. Okay, so we'll move uh, we'll move on into the bond market, which is the fixed income market. We actually did see a bond auction last week, and this is making it the seventh this particular year and the first in the in the second half of the year. What were your sentiments? Well, I think it spoke to uh, a change in it's a sea change a little bit because um, we saw the first bond auction where they only raised seven hundred million kwacha as opposed to the target of two point six billion. So this was only 27% of their sales target was done. And this is the first one under this administration where they've come in below a billion. And this is the worst bond auction performance since February 2021. So already you can see there's there's lack of international participation in the bond market. And that's mainly because there's a global bond sell-off. So nobody's really trying to allocate new money into countries like Zambian bond markets. But they are trying to add, they are the the ones who are here are not trying to exit because they're still making a good gain. They've made over 9% year-to-date on bonds. And in comparison to the global economy, we're looking at losses of 20% year-to-date in global bond markets, developed bond markets, emerging market bond markets, Africa bond markets. Everyone is getting bludgeoned. But Zambia is still popping out good gains for the global for the global investor who's holding on to Zambian local government bonds. So it, it, it it's nobody's going to run away. But it is showing that until an IMF deal is signed, Nobody's going to start trying to think about rushing in or even think about trying to take a full position in the Zambian bond market. So, But the other thing we did see was some interest rates did pick up, especially tail-end interest rates. Um, and those are obviously going to signal lending rates for long-term instruments. And it didn't move the two-year. The two-year seems to still be stuck at a 17% yield. 
Um, so it's still a it's still a decent investment, uh, especially if you're like let's say you're a pension and you've invested in a two year. You're getting a, you're getting a good revaluation on your money that captures inflation, and nine percent of the money keeps coming in as your coupon payment. That's a decent way to always keep retiring and revaluing your money. Uh, and because inflation is still below ten percent, that's seventeen point five percent on a two year bond, which was the main performer, by the way, of this. Um, I think uh, two hundred million of that seven hundred million quarter. Uh, 770 million quarter was raised through the two-year bond uh, itself. So it's still the most dominant. But that's where I'm getting concerned with the bond auctions. When you start seeing bonds bunching at around the two, three-year, it's a signal people don't have long-term, uh, they don't have long-term ambitions with Zambia. So you, you want to see, when President Chinema came in, you started to see the 10-year performing, the 15-year performing. You saw performance along all the bonds. But now we're getting that same bunching that we were seeing in the previous administration where bonds were bunching. And that's often, that's often a confidence problem. I'm only here to stick around for two years, not interested in being here for five, ten years. So it speaks to people's confidence uh, in the political administration sometimes to manage the, 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 the budget and to manage the flow of capital and also the debt situation. So that's what I'm seeing. I think one of the things that you've highlighted is we... Um we are calling on to uh, international investors to come on board. And yeah. part of that, uh, Zambians living in the diaspora saying, you know what, come back home and see if you can invest in bonds. I think that's one of the, the items we can look at, is it not? We actually saw um, the entrance of one of the first diaspora groups, interesting. Yes, uh, we spoke to them recently and they, they actually muscled up uh, enough to actually get into the bond market. So you actually are seeing an interest from a Zambian abroad. And this is why this makes sense. If I'm a Zambian living in Canada, America, UK, interest rates I can get from a 10-year bond there is 1%, 2%, 3% at best. But I go back home and I'm getting 17% on my money. And because of the way the country is being run in a more fiscally conservative way, the exchange rate is holding still and holding strong. So I'm making 9%, 10%, I'm making, sorry, 9% in the same half year, 17% projected if I hold my bonds uh, a year versus making 3% in America, and I'm not getting any exchange loss. This is a good deal. So what often keeps the diaspora away is when the exchange rate starts flying all over the place. But the moment you have stability in that exchange rate, it makes sense to buy Zambian government bonds. And then we can start getting our capital coming back. And the beauty about Zambians in the diaspora, they may not be that big a group. We're not like Zimbabweans where there's 4 million them in the diaspora. There's only about 100,000, 200,000 Zambians in the diaspora. But the majority of them are educated, highly paid professionals. That's the capital we want back in our country. Indeed. So whilst we're looking at investing on the local markets and on the international markets, I think there's one thing that we all need to agree. Um, and I get a lot uh, this question a lot, and I like to believe you too, where people uh, come to you and they're asking you, saying, do you just talk about local markets? I would like to go and buy stocks in the international market. What are your sentiments about going on and uh, purchasing stocks on the international markets? So when it comes to international markets, I always say to people, there's a phase for everything. You go through different phases in your, in your investment journey. You start off as somebody who's doing wealth accumulation uh, or creation. That's when you're, you're starting to save for the first time. And this is the analogy I always tell people. Going to try and invest in the international market when you haven't done much investing home is similar to trying to win the World Cup when you haven't won Kosafa. Win your local league first, then go abroad. And that's what I try and tell people. Get to, get to your critical mass of local assets here and get a nice base. 
then you start to do geographic diversification by then going abroad. You'll notice the, the investors that come to Zambia are not first-time investors. It's your JP Morgan Wealth Management. It's your, it's your Morgan Stanley. It's these big investment firms who have made billions and own billions in the U.S. market. And then they go and throw in a couple of hundreds of millions of dollars in the Zambian market and all these other ones. So you've got to kind of use the same tactics. Now, right now, I always tell people, it's, it's a sophistication thing that people are looking for. It's not the numbers. The global stock markets are getting hammered right now. Tech stocks are getting brutalized. Companies like Snap are 79% down year to date, lost three quarters of their value. Facebook has lost half of its value. Uh, Alphabet has lost 28% of its value year to date. We've seen Spotify with 52% loss, Bitcoin 52% loss, yes. So because of all these, all these losses, it's not the time to go around. And then on top of that, our currency is getting stronger. So you're going to be losing on dollar assets at the moment. So the, the, the one thing I'll tell people is why leave a winning market when everyone out there is losing while your market, your lose is up 13% year to date, but your, 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 your S&P 500 is down almost 20% year to date. So why would you switch out of a market that's up 13% year to date and holding strong in dollars for a, cup, for a, for a market that's going down? First, win the local league. And you'll you actually find that right now, our local markets are one of the best performing markets regionally and globally. It brings us to our final topic for today. We have seen a new product on the market, which is peer-to-peer -peer lending, a new investment vehicle. And I think for me, this is exciting, especially the fact that you can pick based on your risk appetite. As we started both by saying, there's an investment weather map. Um, and one of the things Ray Dalio actually tells people very carefully is, don't pick sides when you're investing. Have exposure to as many things that you are comfortable with as possible that express the different types of weather so that when the weather changes in the economy, you are able to benefit from that as opposed to picking. I call this financial tribalism. Never be a financial tribalist because when your, when your asset goes down, you will feel it alone while everyone else has diversified. So I look at peer-to-peer um, -peer lending as a diversification play, especially for fixed income, because there's different kinds of fixed income. Stagflation fixed income, that's your two to three, two to five year bond. Uh, recessionary fixed income, when the inflation rates are low and growth is low, that's your seven, 10 and that's your seven, 10 and 15 year bond that are operating on the market. Um, then your, your, your growth fixed income is corporate credit high yield and peer-to-peer -peer lending. They give you good interest rates when there's low inflation and high growth. And because there's good growth in the economy, you often find that the default risks start coming down. So often look for to pick it up more when there's good growth in the economy, but have it a little bit in the background as well in case you can see an economic pickup. Now, the outlook right now is a bit shaky when it comes to the economy. Um, so the first thing I'd always tell people is when you're picking a peer-to-peer peer-to-peer -peer lending network, make sure you pick one that has that goes through what I call my four C's. And I've talked to people about the four C's a lot. I've said, look, always look for something that has good character. In other words, you can authenticate it, okay? They've shown themselves to be responsible and, and they're consistent, okay? They, they, they consistently give their, their returns or they're consistent with sound money principles. Then they're consistent in their actions. If they say they're gonna pay you a return, You've seen evidence consistently that they do pay the returns or they do offer the service that they do. 
The third one I've said is credential is credibility. They tell you a logical reason why they're going to increase your money. Peer-to-peer -peer lending is simply, it's very logical. It's cheaper for the lender who can't go maybe through the commercial banking system because of the banker's spread. And it's higher interest rates for the, the, the actual person who's saving because they're not getting that, that intermediary. So it's disintermediarized lending. So that's the reason why you're getting a higher rate and that person might be getting a slightly lower rate and it's just a meeting of the market. And then credentials. Are they, are, do they have oversight of any institutions, the Securities and Exchange, the BOZ, those kind of things. If you see somebody who ticks all of these, then pop a little bit of your portfolio in there so that when there's good growth in the economy, you're not getting smacked because your, your, your bond rates have come down so low, you're barely making like 6%. You've got something that's making good, solid fixed income returns, but it's in an environment where the default risk has now still been eradicated. So that's the benefit of having it. Don't, I always say don't dismiss investment opportunities. As long as they've got good character, credentials, consistency, and they're credible, put then diversify into them and just make sure you educate yourself first on it and then start to participate. I love the educated part. I, I yeah. think that's one thing that most of us miss out on. So you, you kind of want to hear it from another person that they've gone into it and jump right into it without asking the difficult questions. And we can allude them to the four C's that you've actually just mentioned. Ask the difficult questions. What is your asset management? Um, and are you regulated? You have mentioned the regulators and so on and so forth. Do you have any, any clients I can make reference to and testimonials that I can look at? And what's your performance? What's your payout um, rates or anything like that? And the most important thing about peer-to-peer -peer lending, like I mentioned earlier, is it matches your risk appetite. And I think that's one thing that we have been missing out a lot in the past. We do have gamblers that run on a scale of one to 10, that are right on the 10 end. And we also have conservative investors. So depending on your risk scale, your risk appetite, you're able to pick, um, pick a, a client or a person that you want to invest your money into and the rates will be given to you as agreed. Hi, I'm Peter. I make money by investing in great opportunities. Now, come closer. I want to tell you a secret. Do you know that there are thousands of people applying for loans every month? Now, I know you are asking if you could start giving out loans on your own using your hard-earned cash and make lots of profit. Wrong. You and I both know that that's not a smart move. Rather, you could invest through a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform like Premier Credit. And instead of doing it yourself, Premier Credit will lend your money out for you to people they know can pay you back with interest. Now that's smart investing. With peer-to-peer -peer lending from Premier Credit, you can invest for the future too, just like I do. Visit premiercredit.co.zm and start investing today. Investments start from as low as 500 kwacha. Terms and conditions apply. So that has been our session for today. And thank you so much, Munyumba. Munyumba will be here every single month discussing uh, the economy and everything to do with how our markets are faring. But most importantly, we have to get back to our question from last episode. So the question last episode was, how long has the LUCE been in existence? So the LUCE was founded in 1994. That means the LUCE is turning 28 years old this particular year. So if you got it right, well, congratulations to you. If you did not, you can always research on it. And also remember that every single investor should be well informed. Look up on the markets. You can also follow Manyumba. 
He gives really great financial insights. And also you can um, follow the Premier Credit uh, Facebook page to look up peer-to-peer lending. So they are one of the leading peer-to-peer financial institutions on the market. And you can start investing with as low as 500 kwacha. This episode's question is... What is the coupon rate on a two-year bond? That's a Munyumba question right there. So thank you so much. Remember to leave us a comment under this particular post as to what were your highlights. And remember, we always say you also are a champion for financial literacy. So make sure you bring everyone on board to either listen to what it is that we have to say here or tell someone about uh, an investment vehicle that you've learned about. Do the calculations for them. Learn how to, to calculate your returns on a bond, the returns on uh, shares on the market, unit trust, peer-to-peer lending, and teach someone so that every one of us can build legacies when it comes to wealth creation. My name is Lia Pambewe and... I am Munyumbu Mutual. Have a pleasant day. This has been the My Worth Podcast with myself, Lia Pambewe. Don't forget to subscribe on either Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory. Join us next time for more insights and in-depth conversations with yet another amazing guest. See you then.